Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Have you made any New Year's resolutions? Pfft, no. Coming to you almost live from My Nerd Cave. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your hosts. And it's uh, this is actually hopefully the first of many times we'll be in Scott's Nerd Cave. And that's not some sexual euphemism. Um, well, it's also a Well, it is. It is. But uh, we require a lube for that. So we, <laughs> and we don't have any. So anyway, um, we, we're recording with some equipment that we've acquired, thanks in part to our sponsors, who we'll talk about later. It's true. For the first show of 2011. And we have some very special guests, which I'll get to in a moment as well. But let me tell you a little bit about what else we have on the show. Because we worked really hard to, to pull this thing together. Um, so hard, in fact, that we had my brother on the show. Um, my older brother, Peter, uh, moved back to Canada from France just before Christmas. And I talked to him about uh, um, Royales with cheese and uh, Le Big Mac and all the stuff that they have in France. Now, I'd like to mention at this time, we did have a big, big show planned. We did. For the return. And uh, that's not to say this show isn't going to be awesome. It's going to be, be big. incredibly huge. It's not going to be as huge as we had hoped. And that's why we talked to Adam's brother. And but why I'll... and why our main guests are, are significant others. Yes. Because we, it's not that we are poor planners. But it is. It's no. It's more that circumstances conspired against our best wishes. Let's call it the snowpocalypse conspiracy. Indeed, we we had fairly significant plans for the first show back. We wanted to come back into 2011 with a bang, and we have a bang. But it's not the bang we thought it would be. But it's still a bang. It is a bang. Because who did we talk to, Scott? We did talk to the mayor of Edmonton. But Mayor Stephen Mandel. We thought but, we'd have way more time with him. And we only got. Like 10, 15 minutes. 15 minutes and it's yeah. an interesting 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And there may even be something special at the end. But it's not as long as we thought it would be. So it's not our main interview this week. No. Which is what we had hoped. And uh, that's why we brought the girls. Yes. Into the studio. So welcome to Nita, who's been on the show before. You were on our third or second episode. I think it was the third. third. I think it was the third, too. Yeah. Welcome back. Thanks. And welcome to my very beautiful girlfriend, Rachel. Oh, Hi. Yeah. Who you just referred to as your bang. Let's just... You you did. What? You did refer to her as the bang. You are currently... A bang. Your bang. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any way to get out of this. So let's just segue into something different. Sure. That's an excellent idea. How was, uh, how was Christmas, you guys? The Christmas 500? Yeah. Was a standard Christmas 500? Now, I understand that you don't... You're not... As excited as Scott is about the Christmas 500. No, and, and I'm, I'm not. You're used I to staying it. in one place, right? I No, it's not a used to thing at all. I My Christmases were full of running around and visiting people. I would just... It's the, I have to leave you now because I have to go visit other people. Mm. Because tradition dictates that I must visit everyone I care about within a 48-hour span. Um, I prefer to stretch it out a little bit. Spend sure. Spend more time with people. If, if we could expand the important days of Christmas into the week, and that would be better for me. I think it'd be cool if everyone got the space between Christmas and New Year's off every single day. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 
I actually I overwhelmed Rachel when she came back to Edmonton just before Christmas because like we have to go to these five parties. We have to. We did our own version I'm of the so Christmas sorry, five hundred, and she was such oh. a trooper through it all. Yeah, but there were some tears. Yeah, there were we tears. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Christmas is such a fucking miserable time. <laughs> I I think it's because you eat too much and then you're just sluggish and then you don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> no. But it's good food, so that's that's a point up. Right? And there was a uh, series of marathons on television, including the Doctor Who Christmas Special Marathon on the Space Woo! Channel, which was fantastic. God, and such uh, a nerd. and on New Year's Eve, the original Star Trek movie marathon. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. All of them. Oh and the next dear. Day. And the next day was the Next Generation films, which we failed to watch. Probably for oh, the best. I was they're, gonna say, so you just hold up for two days. They're and not great. Watch TV. Well, okay, I had to go back home on New Year's Day, and the reason that I had to go back home on New Year's Day is because of what happened to my car on Christmas Eve. Oh, I I heard about most of this. So on Christmas Eve, dear listener, I was driving. I was on my way out of town, but before I left to go down to Calgary. I had to stop at Jeff Samsono's place from the Edmontonian.com. They had done this big promotion um, where they encouraged people to donate money or goods to, you know, the food bank, Santa's Anonymous, whatever, before Christmas. And people were asked to photograph themselves donating. And then the, all those people were entered to win prizes. And those, some of those prizes included uh, unknown studio coffee mugs, of which we no longer have any. They're officially a collector's item. So Ooh. there you go. We'll have different future swag. That's right. And so I'm I'm trying to park in front of Jeff's apartment, doing a quick U-turn to park correctly on the correct side of the road, and halfway through the U-turn, my car ceased to function. The engine was still on. It was still allegedly in reverse, but um, the linkage in the transmission wasn't contacting. Oh, no. Right. So I spent about two hours waiting for a tow truck that never came. Then I asked Jeff and Sally, two very wonderful people, to help push the car to the side of the road, facing in the wrong direction, because I didn't have a choice. And then Gord Lacey, a friend of ours on Twitter, um, came and got me, because he lived just up the road, and drove me to the Red Arrow bus station on Christmas Eve. And I got to Calgary at about, I don't know, 7 or 9 or something like that. So, in Calgary, minding my own business, trying to enjoy Christmas with my family on the 30th, I get a text message from Jeff that says, you've got tickets on your car. Because you were parked the wrong way? Um, that's correct. Oh, no. I have five days' worth of $50 parking tickets. Oh, no. That I must do something about. And the car was towed to City Impound. So I had to pay $170 to get my car out of Hawk and pay $80 to have it towed to the mechanic because it still wouldn't drive. $2,000 later. With auto work. With auto like work. Like engine work. Yeah. Oh, I have a car with a refurbished transmission. Now, I would like to go on record at this time saying that I voted firmly for buying a new car at this point. But that's just me. It was not something that I could afford. And now I can't afford anything. So <laughs> no. So that was my uh, that was how my Christmas vacation ended. And the fucked up thing was that when I came back to Edmonton, New Year's Day night, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to relax tonight. Tomorrow... We'll get the tow truck stuff sorted. So try to get the tow truck stuff sorted out. Before I knew my car had been towed to impound, I drove my roommate's truck to meet AMA to tow my car to the mechanic. And the AMA guy's like, I don't think your car's here, dude. And I was just like, yeah, it's not. So I drove back, picked up some rum on the way home. And uh, and then drank the rum. And drank the rum. Got thoroughly trashed. And, and then to get my car to impound, thank God for Brittany LeBlanc. She drove me there. 
She drove me to the mechanic, drove me back home, and then we watched movies all day. So it was good. But uh, but enough about me. Well, the, you, you have a car back. I, that's, yeah. that's good. Which is now right? buried under snow. Yeah. Yeah. How was your Christmas, sweetheart? Um, it was good. Yeah? There was a little bit of drama, but... What kind of drama? Christmas isn't Christmas without some drama. Just normal family drama? Family drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The joys of having step family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was good. Okay. Played lots of board games. Yeah, we actually... Lots of food. Do you remember when we played the game of things with my parents? Oh, my gosh. And my parents, my brother, and his wife, we all played the game of things. Have you ever played it? Scott's played it. So Scott's played them all. It was it was the most foul in terms of language. Um, well, two hours of my life. They decided, and you think Adam's bad. They decided that the answer for any category should be either stinky vagina or masturbation. That's just the way it worked out. It just kept coming back. There was a great point in the game. So what you're saying is you you come by it honestly. I do. Oh, okay. I, it's not like it's I'm not a, your fault. I'm not. A, I'm not an outlier. This is this is the way my family is. And there was one category where things you wouldn't like to find in your bed. One after the other, the reader was like, Adam. And I was like, oh, that's not cool. And then the next one was Josh, my little brother. So Rachel had written Josh, and my little brother had written my name. So we had a good laugh over that. And we were drinking a box of wine. Yes, a, a box of wine. A three-liter box of red wine. So it was uh, it was pretty good. It could be worse. I'm good. sure you were using glasses in between Box like, and mouth. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know I I know someone who doesn't bother, who just drinks wine out of the box. To be fair, they no just... it's not Scott. To be fair, uh he was well into the box of wine before he gave up on glasses. But that's okay. I just want to clarify that this person is putting their mouth directly on. Are are they? Or box. are they holding it over their mouth? Uh, both. There so, was there was tippage into there was mouth on spout. Now I'm gonna he was the only one drinking that, that wine. That he was the only one drinking that. <laughs> it was wine. his wine. No one else was drinking that wine. Did that's a tremendous amount of wine. I've. Uh... I think I think he started with sharing it before his mouth came in contact <laughs> with it. So I don't think he drank the whole box, but probably really close. I remember recently watching someone just drink a bottle of wine. So, at a, at a party that we held. <laughs> that was good times. But I just it added to her Halloween costume. It's just a matter of uh, not bothering with character. a glass and polished off an entire bottle. Yeah. It's pretty great. Like, no one else is going to drink it. She popped the cork and off she went. That's spectacular. <laughs> now, I want to I note, because of where we're recording, there are some distinct advantages. One of which is the fact that Scott has a fully stocked fridge filled with soda. Uh, right behind where Nita's sitting. I think he's asking me for a soda. No, I have one. Oh. He already raided the mini fridge. And there's chips. Well, these are left over from Halloween, but you guys, I mean, we're in... They're sealed. They're still good. Well, we're in someone's house, and uh, and it means that we can eat, drink, and be, be merry. merry. Unlike the that. places where we often record, like... Oil rigs and, and oil field, rigs, yeah. 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 Belly of a whale. That was gross. Yeah. It was moist. Yeah, you, yeah, were, you there. were there. Yeah, I know. I remember. Moist. We've had some interesting adventures. So and we will continue to have interesting adventures. This is not like the last. No, no. Yeah. This episode. is just. This is just. This con- is preamble to the rest of 2011. Correct. Correct. <laughs> this is Adam coming to you almost live from my parents' home in Calgary. I'm here with my older brother Peter. 
Say hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. And we're going to chat about, uh, well, Pete, Pete's a native Edmontonian who's been living in Calgary for, well, how long now, Peter? Six years. Six years. And you recently spent a year abroad in France. Yes. So we're going to talk about uh, why Edmonton is better than all of those places, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you agree with that sentiment, yes? Well, it depends on what exactly we're talking about. <laughs> well, earlier today we were talking a little bit about fast foods. We were making the, the old Pulp Fiction jokes about uh, <laughs> royales with cheese. Yes. And you remarked that there, and, and, and we asked you if you went into a Burger King. Yeah, there, there, I did not see a Burger King while I was in France. Um, that's not to say that there isn't one that probably exists, but uh, the big burger chain there is actually called Quick. Um, and they seem very similar to Burger King. They, uh, their big splashy ads are actually, believe it or not, in English. So the, uh, the title of like a featured burger or featured dish is always in English with an asterisk where below it gives you the French translation. It's kind of strange. So just as an example, there was... Uh, they're advertising like something called like a big cheesy. Oh then, yuck. yeah, it was like a it was like this giant. I don't know if it was a triple burger or something. It just it it looked really really <laughs> not healthy for you, and uh, and there was an asterisk built, uh, next to big cheesy and below it said grand fromage or something <laughs> like fromage or something like that. So <laughs> those kinds of things always made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> did, do you, did you find actually that the, the language, I mean, you, you grew up speaking French, her mom yes. was from France. So did you find it easy to ease back into speaking it on a regular basis? Yeah. Although there's, there's always different vocabulary quirks, I think. So there's a lot of, uh, so stuff you hear in Quebec French, you just don't hear in France French. And vice versa. Can you give us some examples? Um, well, one example I discovered uh, in the summer that I didn't realize, and I, I didn't realize it because I hadn't used this word in a long time, but the word jase, which we use in, is used in Quebec, is not used in France. What does jase mean? Jase, isn't it just like goofing around, like hanging out? You, you've, you've probably I, remember I, this from well, yeah, Holy I mean, Cross days. Like, Arrête de jase. <laughs> you know, things like that. So... <laughs> But and the reason I discovered this is because at the uh, at the Bordeaux Wine Festival, uh, the feature guest city was actually Quebec City. Okay. And they had a big banner of words that are or expressions that are used in Quebec that are not used in France. Hmm. So one of the words that was posted there on on this banner was jase. There were a couple others like tomber en amour. I guess is a very Quebec expression. Well, that's a, that's a direct translation. Yeah, of that's falling true. In love, yeah, right. That's exactly right. But it, apparently, that's not. I guess that's not used in France, which I had no idea. So was it hard to pick up on their their <clears throat> slang then, or slang and certain words? Like I'd actually have to go to Google, like uh, like when you're given a word and you're there's sort of no context and you've never heard it before. It's like I have no idea what that means. I better look it up, and then you look it up. And, oh, okay. <laughs> and and the people there were were they gracious uh, that you were attempting to speak their language or because I found when last time I was in Montreal, and I, I I don't we weren't raised to speak with Cana French Canadian accents we well, we speak with mum's mum's French accent yeah. and so um, I always felt like every time I tried to speak French uh, I'd get an answer in English because it was clearly not speaking their French. I. I found that that didn't happen too, too often. So my experience, so I, I spent most of my time in France and Bordeaux. Right. Um, where I think a lot of the, where you hear a lot of the French stereotypes of like rudeness and stuff like that, that I'm pretty sure this is 
people who only visit visit Paris because I mean they I mean that's a big tourist mecca right so I'm sure like locals get probably get mildly annoyed even though they're even though I think tourism really sort of boosts and informs the economy there um, but in Bordeaux if you if you attempt to speak French they you won't that you you won't have someone start speaking back to you in English generally it happened to me a few times um, which always disappointed me because I'm like oh darn <laughs> I'm not it, good enough no but but then but there were a couple there were a couple times where people said to me um, your French is really good I didn't I didn't realize at first that you were an Anglophone, so hmm. so it uh, it it's I find that like away from Paris, you you have a lot of the French stereotype not applying. Basically, huh, people are very enough. friendly, very gracious. Uh, I didn't find people very rude at all, so so it was a very positive experience in in that way for me. What were some of the things <clears throat> that you missed from Canada while you were away? Um, uh, I missed watching like North American sports for one thing, um, at a reasonable hour. If you wanted to watch like a, a hockey game or or a baseball game that aired sort of prime time in North America, that would mean me getting up at three in the morning or something like that to watch in in France. Um, a couple of little things. I mean, I think dealing if you if you've grown up in Canada and you're sort of used to dealing with uh, federal government or provincial government bureaucracy that d- probably doesn't seem so bad uh, especially compared to french government bureaucracy which really is, yeah it's 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 strangely horrible um, <laughs> uh, a couple other things like food wise one of those one of the f- maybe not frustrating things but something i wasn't used to was um because sort of breakfast cereal is a very north american thing mm-hmm um, breakfast cereal in France is a little bit different because French be- breakfast is usually just you have coffee and like a, a croissant, croissant or, or something, something or like a or like a <coughs> chocolate bread or something like that. Um, so every breakfast cereal in France it seems is has chocolate in it. Really? Like you can't get like all bran or like raisin bran or something like that. There's always uh, chocolate flakes, chocolate something, and like some of the most ridiculously unhealthy cereals I've ever <laughs> seen. So. What, I'll give you an example. One of the, one of the ones that I would always see in the supermarket, and I never tried it because, it just seemed like I may as well just have a chocolate bar for for breakfast. But it was called Trésor. Okay. And it's basically like a, like a, a pillow, uh, a, a pillow type of cereal where it's like a it's like a nugget that is stuffed with like chocolate inside. <laughs> Sounds and fantastic. The, and, it's, and it's like a crunchy shell and. The shell itself can also be chocolate, depending on which variety you buy. So I'm, I'm guessing that if you were to have, <clears throat> if you were to buy a French breakfast cereal, you wouldn't eat a colossal bowl of it, unless you were maybe not having it for breakfast. Yeah, probably not. I think the the idea is you'd have a you'd have a very small sort of sample as a, as part of a bigger breakfast or even just as a snack. It's just I don't think breakfast cereal is part of the part of like a food culture thing in, in Europe or well. But, Maybe not. In, I can't speak for the rest of Europe, I guess, but definitely in France, it doesn't seem that way. Now, um, when we were we went shopping over the holiday, which is when this is being <coughs> recorded, our mother remarked uh, that she came. She and Dad came to visit you and your wife while mm-hmm. you were there, and your young son. Mm-hmm. And um, she remarked that the linens, like the quality of clothing in Europe, is different. It's it's like better, significantly better. Yeah, and I think that's. I think there's just more of an an eye to fashion and things like this and what sort of proper materials sort of fit well and work well as clothes. 
I mean, one thing I did notice uh, living in France or living in Bordeaux was that uh, most people dress pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it was rare to see someone, say, in yoga pants out in public. Yeah. Which is a pet peeve of mine, by the way. I just can't stand that. If you, if you can't be bothered to, like, put on something decent, just stay inside. Yeah. But that, that's, just, that's, a, that's a personal thing. But people seem like like men and women seem like they they make an effort to dress reasonably well or f- or dress as the fashion goes uh, as it currently stands. But you'd never see anyone go to the grocery store in their pajama pants. I didn't. I don't remember seeing it very often. It c- it could have happened, but I mean, I didn't live in a student area either, so yeah. it is. Uh, I would suspect that that happens more in those type of areas. But even then, like most people are dressed like. Dressed like they're going to like a dinner party or like a formal dinner, like it seems. Huh. Now, what about you were you were studying, you were researching yeah. at the University of Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. What was the school like there? Is it are universities pretty typical in your travels or? Well, this well, so the strange thing is, so I worked at the I worked at the university, but my employer was technically a, a research a research council. Okay. So I didn't have a lot of interaction with the university. What I can tell you is that. It seemed mostly typical, but I think there were a lot of subtle differences that I didn't bother to process just because I wasn't involved. Um, one big thing is they, they keep the research and teaching arms separate. So um, so there's like a, there's a separate office or a separate bureaucracy for dealing with teaching undergraduates and stuff and, and graduate students. And then there's like a research or like a general admin for like uh, say the math faculty or the math department okay. uh, that deals with research, um, at least that's the way I perceived it. Um, and like the only time I had to really deal with those kinds of things was like to get my office key and, and things like that and get a computer account. So you're not sure if our universities are more or less bureaucratic than French universities? Um, I think they're. <laughs> my guess is would be that French universities are more bureaucratic. Based on your experience with the other French bureaucracies. Yeah, and so the funny thing is, so at the at the University of Bordeaux, or at least the Bordeaux One campus, which is which houses uh, sciences and technology, is that um, there's a front gate mm-hmm. to the to the complex, which they close and lock every night. Really? Yeah, I, I, this is one thing I didn't understand. I so mean, you couldn't access campus after hours. You had to, so I didn't realize this, but there's like a back way you can go, you can go through that isn't locked and they don't, they make no effort to lock, but okay. I just, I, which is also kind of strange in and of itself, because why bother closing the main gate if there's a... To keep out the rabble, I guess. But even then, so it, I understand locking like the buildings, the individual buildings, because you don't want people coming in and stealing computers and or mm-hmm. equipment and stuff like that. But then to lock the front gate and like sort of all of these sort of side and auxiliary gates didn't make much sense to me. And it would make it really inconvenient if you were like, say on campus after hours or on the weekend, because you'd have to go all the way around to this back part and then go all the way out the back. And it was just like a a pain in the butt. So um, you came back to Canada on December 15th. Yep. And uh, what, what did you feel like when you came home? Was it, was it one of those, because I feel like when you come back from a vacation or being away, you come back and it feels like nothing's changed. Yeah, I think I wanted a big plate of like North American pub food or something, <laughs> like like a big plate of nachos or, yeah. or like chicken wings or something, which isn't to say that like 
the food in the food in France is far from terrible. In fact, it's 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 pretty outstanding. But you sort of miss certain North American uh, items. Any in <laughs> particular? Well, aside I think from I, nachos. <laughs> um, like just a straight up like like a regular sort of North American menu. You just don't you just don't see in France. Like, mm-hmm. like mostly you if you see main dishes with say. Uh, in France, you'll see dishes with beef, which is fine, but just usually you get like it's like a big piece of steak, yeah, which you get here, of course, but uh, not. Uh, I mean, they don't do they don't seem to do chicken the same way. Like they, they, it's either the dish they give you that features chicken is something that you don't see in North America, or uh, for certainly in Bordeaux, duck is like on every menu. So okay, um, just because it's really close to a duck producing area, so. So just sort of little things like that, um, which I would see all the time and you sort of get used to, but um, but that you don't really see in North America. Like you don't see like a, you don't see a lot of pasta dishes, in, for instance, unless you're at an Italian restaurant. Right. Because pasta is like. Everywhere. It's, it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty ubiqu- ubiquitous. Did I yes. say that right? Yeah. Okay. You did. Okay. Good, good work. I have a bit of a sore throat, which uh, affects my language processing and emanating skill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's projecting quite well. I think He's doing very well. So. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> so you're back in uh, Canada. Uh, what are your plans in the near to medium term? Well, the near term, I'm actually, uh, I so my my position in France ended or ends at the end of December. And actually, we didn't ha- we didn't even say what you do. Yeah, I was. I'm a I'm a mathematician. I was actually a postdoctoral fellow at. Uh, uh, housed at the University of Bordeaux One campus, but employed by uh, the uh, bas- the National Institute for Research, uh, French National uh, Research Institute in Computer Science and Control. Okay. Which in French sounds much better. It's uh, l'Institut National de Recherche en Informatique et Automatique. That, uh, yeah, that uh, has a nice yeah. ring to it. Which uh, the acronym is INRIA. So. Okay. And so now that you're back, and so now that I'm I'm back for a brief time, and uh, starting in the new year, I'm teaching at Bates College in Lewiston, Maine. Um, I have a friend who uh, uh, alerted me to an open position there for for it's a very short term position. It's only for five months. Uh, I'll be teaching calculus and doing doing some research with this friend of mine. Hopefully, while I'm there. Cool. Yeah. And then after that, I'm hoping to land a position somewhere in Alberta, I'm guessing? Uh, so a position anywhere in Canada would be great. A position in Alberta would be probably almost perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you'd, you'd love to come back and live in Edmonton? I would, I would welcome such an opportunity. I love, so <laughs> I've lived in Calgary for six years, and I, of course, lived in Edmonton prior to that virtually my whole life. Um, I love both cities, so I would, I would welcome an opportunity to return to either one um, permanently full-time. Cool. Well, I wish you all the best. Now, I understand that the terms of your doing this interview included uh, doing a Fast 15. Yeah, it's the favorite, my favorite part of the show, so I thought, why the hell not? Peter's, I, don't, I don't remember the questions. All that's that great. Well, but that's good. Like, though. Peter would be, actually be one of the few guests we've had on the show who's actually listened to the show and listens <laughs> to it, I wouldn't say religiously, but you, you do listen to most episodes. Yeah, I've, uh, sometimes it takes me a while to catch up on episodes. Like I let four download and then I yeah. run out of time. I don't listen to them and then I listen to a whole bunch in a row. So, so do you have any criticisms for Scott? <laughs> 
No, he has a great voice Doesn't for he? radio, though. Like, yeah. he just, like, outstanding. It's, yeah. Well, he does it's read like the he's news. Bo- so. Yes, yeah, it's like he's Bob Cole or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, you've listened to the show. You know how this works. You get yeah. uh, you get 13 standard questions. Mm-hmm. We ask of all our guests, and then we'll throw in two wild cards tailored specifically to you. All right, bring it on. So here we go, the Fast 15 with my elder brother, Peter Rosenhart. Number one, your favorite food. Um... Goodness gracious, probably pizza. Uh, that was actually the same answer that the mayor of Edmonton gave us. Sweet. Hilariously enough. Your favorite color? Blue. Uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? I mostly use a Mac, but I use uh, Linux from time to time. Um, the lab machines at the UFC were Linux, so I use those. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Tea. Your favorite holiday? Um, boy. Christmas, I guess. Um... Although, I've, I don't know. I've been kind of poo-pooing about Christmas lately. I don't know why. I just get, I don't know, I get more stressed about it nowadays for some reason than I ever used to. Well, now that you have a kid, maybe Christmas will be more exciting for you. I think so. Seeing him, seeing Gil unwrap his, uh, my son's name is Gilbert, uh, or Gilbert. We call him Gil. Um, we, uh, just seeing him unwrap his, one of his presents on Christmas morning. My wife has a great picture of him sort of waving his hands in a blur and he's smiling and He's more interested, I think, in the ribbon and the wrapping paper, oh, yeah. but it's it was still pretty cool. All right, so moving on, your favorite sport? Um, hockey to watch. Uh, I like playing squash. Uh, your favorite pastime? Pa- I don't even know if I have a pastime. Surfing the internet, re- reading reading things, um, taking care of Gil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more like a full-time job, it's really. It's more like a full-time job, and it's a job that... <laughs> Uh, my wife does a lot of, so uh, maybe that doesn't, maybe I shouldn't say that, but uh, um, yeah, I think reading, reading's my pastime. <laughs> and your favorite music right now? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'll tell a story behind this. We uh, we used to listen to, for no other reason that uh, all the other radio stations in Bordeaux were kind of crappy, we used to listen to the hip-hop R&B station, and they used to play they used to play French gangster rap. Really? Yeah. So and there's this so there's this one group. I should get you the CD. It's at home. MK bought it for me for my birthday. It's called the band. the 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 rap group is called Section Dassault. Dassault. The assault section. <laughs> it's supposed to sound like sexual assault. I think if you're an anglophone, but. <laughs> that's hilarious anyway they have a couple of catchy songs and she got me the cd i guess that would be sort of my newest favorite music that i like to listen to they french rap is very i don't know how you rap in french i i can't get my tongue around it like some people do it though i guess quite well, successfully I, well yeah and i think if you're a native french yeah. speaker it's probably much easier but, yeah uh, yeah so section d'assaut <laughs> <laughs> your, your favorite movie Ooh. Like all time, uh, it's probably a three-way tie between The Shawshank Redemption, The Big Lebowski, and Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Your favorite video game? <sighs> Boy, there's hey, yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch. You were quite fond of uh, role-playing games, weren't you? Like, yeah, like Final Fantasy VII. One of the the Legend of Zelda games that was. Link to the Past, the yeah. one for Super That was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I remember we played that one a lot. Yeah. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? The ability to 
learn and speak any language instantaneously. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. And dude, it isn't even close. Like, yeah. that's not even a question. I, mean, I don't even know Come why on. I ask that. I don't even Come know on. why I ask that. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, what, I mean, you're in math. You're doing a lot of research. We're on the wild card questions now. Yeah. What is your dream job? Uh, well, ideally, I'd like to I'd like to continue doing research and teaching. So, sort of the easiest or the most obvious path to doing that is becoming a professor. So, I think that's ideally what I would like. And your last wild card question, because you live in Calgary, what is one of the things you miss most about Edmonton? Oh, um, I miss the. I think I miss the. I miss the general attitude of, of Edmontonians. They, they seem to have a more, I, I, I hate to, maybe this is maybe an unfair stereotype of Calgarians, but, and I apologize if, if this offends Calgarians who are listening, but I really, you don't notice like the sort of the, the generous nature and the, the, the large amount of humanity that, that Edmontonians have. Like it seemed, it seemed when I lived there, it was common that you'd hear a story of the news of like a, a family or someone passing through town and something bad happened to them like their truck got stolen or or, or whatever or, or, or a family tragedy happened while they were in town and then the whole community like rallies around mm-hmm. they like they like buy them food or like they they raise money to buy them a new truck like i i don't see that as much in calgary i think there's i think edmontonians have a s- certain special generosity that i haven't really seen anywhere else to be honest with you hmm. well take that calgary <laughs> Calgary's a wonderful place too i, I like it too I, I and quite frankly both cities are i mean they're more similar than either would care to admit yeah, yeah. um and in particular I, f- I one thing i found startling is that both cities seem to have an inferiority complex when it comes to each other even it's, it's calgary we, we don't really get to see yeah, that down like I, I sort of couldn't believe it like I don't know. They whining about. I don't know. Like the one thing, some people here were whining about the city center airport in Edmonton closing, and I don't know. Just I can't, I'm try, I can't really think of specific examples, but I know there are some. And I've, I've actually here's a specific example. So one thing that uh, one thing that I that's appeared in the Herald more than a few times when they do like sort of articles describing like Alberta history is that uh, it was a conspiracy to set up the capital in Edmonton because they didn't want Calgary and the West to get too big. I've actually read similar things, but it, it was it I don't had know more to do with the personalities of the premier and the president of yes. the University of Alberta at the time yes. and than so, it did with actual conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, maybe conspiracy is the wrong word, but it, it was definitely a political thing because I think at the time Alberta had a liberal premier like the very like they had a liberal premier very early on in their history right? i'm trying to remember was that bill Aberhart or no 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 bill Aberhart was uh social credit or right, something? right 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 uh, i don't remember who the players were but I, yeah. I think i yeah sort of anyways so the fact that the federal government picked edmonton to be the capital not calgary kind of sticks in seems to stick in people's cry i mean it's it's over like who ca- like it doesn't matter and the other one is giving the Giving the major university to Edmonton. Yes, that was a big uh, over, like say, like Mount Royal's a very, very old institution, but only recently became a university. Um, but 
I don't know, people have felt that Mount Royal should have, or this sort of, what started as Mount Royal should have wound up becoming well, what the University of Alberta was or is. And the dominant thinking at the time, as I understand it, was that because Edmonton was granted capital city status, Calgary should have been given the, the University, University of Alberta. For the pro- yeah, that's right. For the province, and, yeah. and at the time, I don't recall who the premier was, but or I, I'm pretty sure it was the premier. Maybe was Alexander Rutherford premier, or was yes, he, yes, that's I think right. it was Alexander. Rutherford. And he said, "We will build a university south of the North Saskatchewan <laughs> River." <laughs> and then he built it just south, south of the North Saskatchewan. <laughs> so he's kind of a dick, actually. Yeah, I, I guess so. And I think the. He was also, was he U of A president or was... I think he was at some was point. was it Henry Marshall Torrey who was the first? I person? think Torrey was the first. Oh, okay. And then, I don't know. I don't know if Rutherford was ever we, a president. We should maybe edit out all this factual no, 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 this errors is good. That, we're, <laughs> that we're introducing. Well, we have a, we have a new uh, talkback line, the gift of gab line that people can call and correct uh, our stupidity. Oh, goody. I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, that, that should be uh, spectacular. Yeah. Anyway, Peter, thank you very much for chatting with us. Yeah, no problem. And uh, good luck in stunning and exciting Lewiston, Maine. Thank you. It's the League of Extraordinary Media. TheEdmontonian.com. TrueBrittle.com. The Unknown Studio. User-created content. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit LeagueOfExtraordinaryMedia.com. take this moment to quickly thank some people that's a good idea yes we should we should thank our sponsors all right let's do that all right so first we'd like to thank of course the The edmonton Edmonton journal Journal. those ink stained wretches those magnificent sons of bitches uh still sponsor us for some ungodly reason we thank them for that we'd also like to thank our friends at the traveling tickle trunk because they're sexy and uh bring a sex positive attitude to edmonton that uh, I don't think Edmonton necessarily needs, but is welcome. Here. That's true. Absolutely. And and we, I think Edmonton we, does need it. I would argue Edmonton does need there it. There you go. And Bunch we are happy to have broods. them. We're happy to have them with us, sponsoring our show, and we hope to continue that relationship into the future. Last but not least, of course, the magnificent sons of bitches. You just like saying that today. It's, it's such a great phrase. Uh, the guys and gals at Guru Digital Arts College. Uh, they train... Designers, web designers, graphic designers, uh, video game, game designers, designers yeah. yeah, illustrators, to do their crazy business, so other businesses can do their crazy business. I don't think that was that good. That was all right. Yeah, I think it was good. Okay. So anyway, originally when we asked the girls to be on the show, we were going to talk about all of us. We're going to talk about the things that annoyed, the things that we do that annoy our partners, and uh, the girls rightly pointed out that. That was a terrible idea. <laughs> that, you know, Scott and Eater are engaged. They might not be engaged after a show like that. Rachel and I are dating. We might not be dating after a show like that. So we're going to talk about pet peeves, I think. In general. In general. Things that really bother us about you. Fair listener. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at us when he said that. So I was like, what did I do? I'm not going to pet peeve you. Thanks. It, w- it would be the same situation. It would be terrible. So who wants to start us off? Because I've got one in mind that I just thought about uh, before we started recording that 
drives me nuts. And I think it will give way to more. Excellent. Okay, well, you start then. Okay. I hate it. I fucking hate it when people say, I seen that. Mm-hmm. I seen that on TV the other day. You look like, you're looking at me like you've never heard this before, Scott. As in, I seen that, not I've seen that? Correct. Or, I, I saw, saw that? I seen it. There's a cross-section of my family that we don't talk to very often that speaks this way, and it's fucking ridiculous. And I hate it when people do stuff like that. I agree. I've seen it. You've seen it? <laughs> that's, that's very similar to a pet peeve I have. Which is? Um, I... In my job, I answer a lot of email. A lot of my communication with, with clients is through email. I don't talk to people a lot. Um, and the, the complete and utter lack of, of grammar or punctuation or grasp of the English language uh, when, you're, when you're communicating in a written form drives me insane. Mm-hmm. And it's not just typos. A, t- a typo can be forgiven. Yeah. It's, it's, you have no clue. Like, you, you didn't even leave elementary school. Really? Come on. I, uh, a lady that I actually work with, a lady in the same company, uh, clearly hates all punctuation of, of all kinds. Oh, no. And the fun thing about Microsoft Outlook is that if you don't put a period at the end of your sentence, if you just put in a hard return, it will remove extra line breaks. And it will tell you, you know, removed extra line breaks to make your email shorter. Well, she doesn't punctuate so all of her sentences come in one long string. Oh, my God. It's, oh. it's great. I love trying to decipher emails. No, really. How much of your time does that waste? Uh, actually, I'm getting pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm good at. I'm. I'm decent at translating now, guessing what people are actually trying to say. I want to tell you something that Rachel told me that was astonishing. They don't teach grammar in school. No. Which is ridiculous. When I got into university, we spent the first three months of English 101 learning. Grammar and punctuation, because our prop was so pissed off the, that yeah, none of us basics. knew how to do it properly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Nod. Yep. That's, I, that's I, a pet peeve. Yeah. To to be fair, I understand not teaching grammar in a science class, so I'm as a science teacher not allowed to take marks off for spelling and sure. someone spells something incorrectly. But in an English classroom. Well, wasn't it you that told me that? Is that not correct? No, it is. Yeah. You're, they're not allowed to teach grammar. What the hell? But they're not allowed to it's, teach it's grammar? It's about the ideas, not the... Oh, come If you on. can't clearly communicate your ideas, you're fucked. Agreed. Yeah. And if you can't form a correct sentence yeah. in, a, in a written form, how are you supposed to get your ideas well, it's like, across? It's like, I have this great idea. Let me explain it to you. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know how to communicate, so... I'll just stare at you and hope... I'll think about it really hard. And so in, my, in the school that I teach at, where we don't use any textbooks or worksheets, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no... There needs to be structure there. And I think this is part of where I seen comes from. No one's there to correct the people who are talking like morons. It pisses me off. It's my pet peeve. It's one of them. Same, I mean, it, it, it's exactly the same as, uh, can you borrow me something? <laughs> yeah. I will I will correct a complete stranger if I have to. Yeah. And then I will likely want to punch them for saying that. While we're on the topic of language, um, I work with a wonderful woman named Katrin who is proper in her mode of speech. Like she's, I mean, it's not like she speaks the Queen's English, but she knows it. And uh, she knows quite a bit of slang. She's from Wales. 
So um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the bar The Pint on 109th Street Jasper Avenue. I've been there. Yep. Their tagline is eat, drink, repeat. Well, in British slang, repeat means to burp. It means that your meal is literally repeating on you. So their tagline, if it were in England, would mean eat, drink, burp. <laughs> That's fantastic. She actually, <laughs> Catherine was driving home one night and she called me on my cell phone. It's just like, do you have a moment? I, I have to tell you about this thing that just occurred to me that's funny. And I thought that was that was good. Unfortunately, that's an example of how language differs in different parts of the world. Even people who speak English are not necessarily speaking the same language. True. If you are communicating with a person in Australia, in South Africa, in England, in uh, the United States, you could all be speaking English and you could all be talking an entirely different language. So, which is something that's actually fascinating to me about English. Mind you, I, I suppose the same would be true for people who speak like Cantonese. There is there are pigeons or pigeon well, versions of even it. There's no French. such thing as Chinese. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. French in Quebec and in France are two entirely different dialects of French. You're not speaking the same French. If you tried to swear at someone using French Canadian uh, to a French person in France, they'd think that you were just spitting nouns out at them. Basically, like, that that have to do with parts of the church, physical structures within a church. It's ridiculous. Because, like, saying tabernacle in French-Canadian, all that a tabernacle is just an altar. That's all that means. Well, I think it's the idea of the sacrilege. I, I know, yeah. but but it's really funny how... Well, it, you can do that in English. Bollocks? Right. You, you can say that here and everyone goes, uh-huh, and... Well, there's a word I'm quite fond of you, that they use colloquially in Scotland that uh, people in this country would never say in polite conversation. No. no. Sometimes not. not even in impolite conversation. The C word. The C word. The C bomb. It's, oh. it's, it's like, hey, buddy. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's a different. Very different. It's a different language, basically. Anyway. Yes. That's a little off Sorry, our topic, off topic. But, okay. but fascinating. But yes. Pet wonderful, peeves. Wonderful. Any, what about so, you guys, pet peeves? Uh, people who shake their legs I when do, they're sitting. I do that a lot. Well, you mean the bouncy thing? Yeah. Drives me nuts. When you sit beside someone in a movie theater who does it, the whole movie. Oh, oh, oh I think we've uncovered a relationship foible. I'm very gentle. Do you shake your leg? No, no Scott I do. does. And what do you do? I'm doing it right I, now. <laughs> well, actually, I only mind if his leg is, like, touching mine and bouncing exactly. my leg by proxy. He can. I bounce my legs, too, but I try not to do it when I'm touching someone because I know it's annoying. I think you're... And I gently reach down, and I grab his knee, and I wait for him to switch legs. Or I, or I scooch over, or... Rachel will actually just be like, could you stop that, please? You do. Lee, she you says, do. please. Yeah. That's there polite. If, it's, if I can see it in my peripheral vision, too, it drives me nuts. It drives me bonkers. What about people who twirl their pens? You know, you know, pen twirlers. Actually, I'm impressed by pen twirlers. <laughs> it's, it's a manual dexterity thing that I have not mastered. It's a skill. I end up tossing my pen somewhere, and then I have to apologize to someone. Usually, it's, yeah, it's like people who can flip coins across their knuckles. I don't understand that. I don't I understand don't... it either, but I'm impressed with people who can do it. Same or... thing with pens. If you can, like, it's like baton twirling. It's fancy. Yeah, you could you could lead a parade. <laughs> a very it's small true. parade. With yeah. A parade of paper clips. Sure. Byros. I don't know what else. What else bugs you, honey? What do I do that bugs uh, you? Tell them. No. Tell everyone. No. Um, what drives me insane? People who don't own up mm. to, to mistakes, um, which is maybe something that's just like a teacher pet peeve. Um, I hate slow walkers. Yes. And, and this is totally something that came out of high school and has just stuck with me. If I'm in the mall or on the sidewalk, 
I'm I set a brisk pace with my with my walking. He has and, long legs. And well, it's not even just that. I just I I get from point A to point B fairly quickly. And when I'm stuck behind someone who is moving slow, especially if they're like three abreast on the sidewalk and you can't get around them, yeah. it drives me bonkers. It's like hurry up. Yeah. That reminds me of. Uh... The ordeal it always was to walk through Hub Mall during a class change. Yes. Because, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, because because of driving in North America, I always felt like if you were heading in in a direction, you need to stay on the right side of the mall. People in the Gateway wrote opinion articles, lengthy yeah. diatribes about how people <laughs> need to function in Hub Mall. And the general consensus was that you, if you're... If you're on the right, you're going one way. If you're on the left, you're going the other way, just like in normal traffic. I often felt like they needed uh, yield signs and merge signs in Hub Mall. Stop lights. Stop, Stop lights. Yeah, yeah. The fact is that it like wall-to-wall people during a class oh, change because yeah. it's at the hub of a very busy part of a hub. That was actually not <laughs> intentional. But it is at the, at the axis of several very busy parts of campus. Mm-hmm. So when the class changeover happens or, or when lunch happens, it's packed with people. And it's not just the people walking on the wrong side. It's the people who decided to stop in the middle of the mall to talk to their buddy. Oh. Or to text. Oh, text? Is it? Oh, oh, we didn't have text messaging when Scott and I were in university. People, people who just stop in, in like a major thoroughfare. Yeah. Um, I almost ran someone over with a grocery cart once because I was trying to get out the doors and into the parking lot. And this family was in front of me heading out the doors and they just stopped. For no reason? Oh, I'm or sure they had a reason. Sure they did, I don't yeah. know what, they just stopped. But and I almost ran over one of their kids. Yeah, show I was a like, little... don't pull off to the side. Yeah. It, traffic is traffic. Yeah. Get, move. And especially when it's a major thoroughfare like that, you, you got to get out of the way, people. If Come I'm going to stop somewhere in a mall for something, you you head towards a wall or a railing or something. You don't just stop. <laughs> I wish you could have Someone like will a, run into you. Some kind of like fire extinguisher that you could you could launch or you could use on someone to get them to move. It wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't harm them, but it would get their attention. Like like big shepherd's hooks. I don't want to gently guide someone. I don't want to physically injure side. someone. I just want to humiliate them publicly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my ultimate goal. Uh, Not you, sweetie. Okay, good. Oh, um, I got another one. Oh. People who park like ass. There's a lot of that. Especially in the wintertime. And I understand you can't see the lines, right? But do you really need to put three feet between you and the car beside you when you know you don't actually need that much space? Or people with trucks that just stick out much too far. They've got like the extended cab and the extended uh, pickup. And no matter where they park in a parking lot, they're they're two feet further out than any other vehicle. And they're always right by the door. And they're always right so by the door. So everyone has to drive around them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw uh, one pickup truck parked once somewhere and I just, it was just infuriating. Yeah. He was parked on the sidewalk. It was at the, um, it was at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And you know, movie theater parking lots are kind of shaped kind of funny nowadays. It was a big triangle shaped uh, s- sidewalk lock, basically, where the where the parking lot turned a Some funny curb, angle. a meridian, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And instead of trying to find a parking space like <laughs> everyone else, he just drove up onto this, onto this triangle and stopped and stayed there. Just because he had four-wheel drive, I guess, and could get up on top of the curb. It makes me sad, but if I had a truck, I'd probably do that, too. What is it about trucks that make people jerks? I don't know. Um, I hate people who eat with their mouth full. Uh, open. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh. you really don't want to see that. It's wrong. And gross. One of the things that uh, that makes me just, it makes me cringe, is actually, it's a sound. And it is the sound of something being poured on television. 
Like you a ever, soda or something? Yeah, if you ever listen to a, like a commercial oh. and somebody's pouring themselves like a big glass of, oh, some delicious looking alcohol, the sound of the ice in the glass and the sound of the liquid pouring onto the ice, the Foley is just wrong. It's uncanny valley sound. There's something not real about it and it actually makes me cringe when I hear it. I kind of like that sound. No, I hate it. Makes me want a Coke. No, it doesn't. It makes me just like go, no, that's not reality. It mm. sounds fake. It sounds like something that's not actually... It sounds like something pretending to be liquid pouring on ice. We should try and replicate the sound using our equipment. That's a terrible plan. <laughs> For you. And then Scott will leave because <laughs> yeah. he won't be able to New drink. host, please. Oh, no. That would suck. That would really Very much suck. so. A weird foible. Well, okay. It's like uh, the sound of styrofoam on styrofoam. Oh. I can't... It, some people are like, oh, nails on a chalkboard. Well, I'm like, Whatever, it's a nasty scratch. But styro on styro, that rubbing sound? Balloon Ooh. animals being made. I don't like that sound. Really? I do not like that sound. Just the squeaking of rubber. Are you aware that Scott knows how to make balloon animals? I am not. I don't mind watching it. I just don't want to hear it. There's a whole bag of balloons just around the corner. They're probably not good anymore. Probably not. I think that uh, the next uh, for the next Unknown Studio birthday party, you should make balloon animals. <laughs> that would be so I'd awesome. I'd have to brush up. It's been a long time. I was going to say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to out you. <laughs> Your other life is now known to us. I haven't done it in a long time. What got you into balloon animals? Money. To make money. To bust. A little extra money on the side. Oh, you'd be I, surprised. I started balloon training. Animals, birthday, birthday parties, uh, but, uh, events, I festivals. But I fell out of it and into other stuff, so which is unfortunate, yeah. Podcasting. No, it wasn't. It wasn't immediately radio. Well, no, it wasn't immediately. I was just. Radio. I was too busy to commit the time needed for it. I thought it was neat. It's one of those weird skills that people have. But I know. It? I know the basics. It's just a matter of relearning all the. Yeah, you can do it. The patterns. What was the best thing you made? Uh, I once made Anita a teddy bear clinging to a rose. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He brought it to me at work. It was very sweet. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'll draw a teddy bear clutching a wilted flower because. I don't know how to draw my flowers. my favorite was Excalibur. It was a it was a sword that had a teddy bear like handle. That got me. I thought it was cute. Do you think you could make like a? We should find the pattern to make an alien from Alien. Long head. Actually, you'd probably just need one whole long balloon. It could probably be done. It would probably probably work. You'd need something in the front. I'd need a smaller balloon for the little mouth thing. We could do that. But I don't have any smaller balloons. No. Other pet peeves. Other pet peeves. Unrelated to balloon animals. <laughs> We've covered sounds. Covered language. People who talk on their cell phones while driving. That's just dangerous. Yeah. It is. I want I want a little sign in my car that says hang up. Actually, I'm gonna say people who talk in cell phones on cell phones in I'll qualify this. I'm gonna say public places and I'll qualify by saying that cell phones are incredibly sophisticated machines now where you don't actually have to shout into it for the person on the other end to hear you. There's nothing worse than being on a bus or in a confined space, public space, where someone's yelling into a cell phone. And I am i don't even have a problem with people using them. And I know that there are a lot of people who are like, well, it's just rude to be using your cell phone in public. No, that's what it's literally for. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a level of communication that if you're not used to it now, get used to it. Yeah. But I definitely agree that there is a way to do it that is still polite. And part of it is definitely, you know, you, you don't need to show it to yourself. I actually have a uh, buddy who was uh, was in Tokyo recently, and he, he said that 
you, you'll be standing on a platform to catch the train and everybody's on their phones. The moment everyone's on the train, no one is using their cell phone. I don't know if, well, I don't know if they're talking. They're not talking on it. They may be texting, but no one will speak on their phones while on the train. Because it's just polite. It's just polite. And I won't answer. If someone calls me while I'm taking the bus, I won't answer the phone. My aunt, who is a United Church minister, has quite a few stories about people either texting in church or, in one case, even picking up and saying, I can't talk right now. I'm in church. (laughs) (laughs) Which she made fun of quite a bit. That's, That's fantastic. What possesses someone to do that? I don't know. Just, I had this great image of someone live tweeting uh, their sermon. <laughs> oh, like, God. This is what's happening in church. I wonder, I wonder when someone will live tweet it, or if it's been done, if someone's live tweeted Midnight Mass <laughs> I, or something. I wonder if there are, because there, there are some reverends and some priests, even from Edmonton, that are on Twitter. I don't think that the expectation would be that people would live tweet their sermons because then they're not really listening. And that brings me to another pet peeve. I actually wrote about it on the website, and that is city councillors who live-tweet council meetings. They have no business live-tweeting a council meeting when it's broadcast on the web, and there are citizens doing it much better than they are. I was just going to say, don't they don't they have people for that? Well, the, to, to be fair, when I was a councillor, we used Twitter to have a debate that was less restricted by rules on during students council yeah but we we didn't live tweet we would just i okay that that's different it was like an instant messenger <clears throat> just like us. if say one of the counselors tweeted we just voted some on this that's fine if it was a contentious issue that the public needed to know about sure but being like and now it's you know so-and-so's turn to talk and these are the points they're making there's no value there your job as a city councillor is to sit there, listen, ask questions, and make decisions. Well, in the council meeting. Your job is also to cut ribbons and kiss babies. <laughs> you can live tweet that if you want. But I'm saying being a reporter, reporting on the meeting, that's not the job of a councillor. That is the point I'm making. <laughs> and that is your pet peeve? That is, it's a huge pet peeve. Okay. Legit. Too legit to quit. I know one of your pet peeves. What? Trains. Like you just nothing. Nothing inspires road rage in Scott like getting stuck on the road, waiting for a train. There is a there is a genesis of this though in my life. <laughs> uh, one day I used to work for a special events company, and uh, myself and my friends Peter and Serena were on our way home very late one night from a gig and I I couldn't even tell you where it was it was out of town we'd come home we were all tired we just wanted to get everyone dropped off and be done with it Peter was kind enough to be driving everyone uh we ended up on the way to drop me off stuck behind a train for two hours what it was just stopped on the tracks and we were we were stuck because there was other traffic around us but for two hours we were sitting in the van trying to make the best of what was a, a just an insufferable situation and it was, again, it was very late at night, so I didn't get get home till almost 3 o'clock because of that. Oh, my God. And since then, I've just been like, is this train stopping on the tracks? No! <laughs> it's just flashing back to that <laughs> that trapped feeling. And, I mean, we were all friends, and we, we kind of made the best of a bad situation. But nonetheless, it was just very frustrating, and, and so now I just can't stand it. So I spent a summer working in Field, B.C., 
and there's a train station in field and all the trains come and stop and reload and the train drivers get to have nice little naps and um, I worked about a block away from my house but between my house and my place of work there were some train tracks and so I would often try and time my lunch breaks so that I would get an extra half hour because a train would be stopped <laughs> on the tracks. <laughs> so I feel like it's only my, oh, it's, it's only karma that I will get stuck behind <laughs> trains now because I've used up all the good stops. You know what my pet peeve is? A bad work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just take it as a sign that you really hated your job. Oh, it was pretty bad. And it was, it was time to go. Yeah. I was actually really excited when we moved into this house because I don't have to cross any tracks anymore to get to work. Uh, and then, of course, the next LRT line is going to run down 66. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that it runs down the other side of 66 so I don't have to cross over it to get to work. Or maybe it'll just run down the middle. Actually, that wouldn't make sense based um, on the way the street is designed. There's There are a couple of um, uh, they, grassy knolls. They could. It would be like the, the Grinnell Bridge Project all over again where they'd have to make it wider on Something. each side. Something. Something that confuses the heck out of both you and I is that um, Edmonton LRTs do not have to yield to traffic. Yeah. But in Calgary, LRTs have to stop at red lights just like cars do. I mean, I get, I get why they don't, why the LRTs have right of way. But, I mean, if you've driven down 111th Street um, and had to cross it at some point, you know that it's a clusterfuck. Yes. It can be. On the on the one hand, though, if you need to go down 111th Street and you're riding the green oh. wave, you are a happy person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that what it's called? That's what uh, Motto coined it, the green wave, and I just have carried it I on. I like But it. yes, when you are driving alongside the LRT down 111th Street, you will have nothing but a sea of green ahead of you. That, my friends, dear listeners, <laughs> is, the, is the green wave, and you are riding it. And it feels good. <laughs> um, I remember talking with... Uh, Lisa, one of the uh, the writers for the Unknown Studio, and she had mentioned that uh, she says she'd written an article about park and ride lots for LRT, and she said it's great that you know LRT is being built in Edmonton, but she mentioned something about like good luck with transit getting into crashes with fire trucks, and I was just like what? And then I remember someone posting video of like the street level LRT in Austin, Texas, just destroying other cars, so it's probably best. That they have their own right of way, and that they get traffic signal priority, even if it creates a headache for drivers. Because uh, the alternate is that drivers get killed by the LRT. Conceivably, yeah. it is a bitch to get out of Southgate, though. It can be if you're if you're not turning if you're if you actually have to cross the road. Leave Southgate on the east side of the mall. Yeah, yeah. they honestly, I think they should just shut down that whole side of Southgate and make everybody come out the other side because it is it is so hard to time the lights and the tracks. If you need to cross traffic and head south. Yeah. Ah, that's something that's that's a work in progress. I love the LRT so much I don't oh, no. care. I'm but so I, glad it's yeah, there. Yeah. It's it's ultimately friends can visit us much faster now. And this is directed at naysayers of the of the new LRT and the expanded LRT. Ultimately the LRT does more good uh, than the headaches you will occasionally experience due to traffic stops. The yes. needs of the many <laughs> oh, outweigh the needs of the few. Not always, but in this case, yes. yes. Which is why my needs remain unmet in this wonderful, loving My pet peeve is how much you're complaining. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's got a point. I Transit in this city sucks. Three minutes. It does. It does. I, I, they're trying. The no. LRT expansion is awesome. It'll get it's better. It's the way to go. Yeah. 
we we need some I, I honestly think a big help would be some 24-hour service yeah I, I think, think it's been be talked great. about. I just don't know why it hasn't been done. Do you? Expensive. Yeah. Expensive, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's a, you'll lose money on it. I don't think, you're lucky with transit, I think, if you break even. Probably. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm okay subsidizing the transportation of people who can't afford vehicles. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out the Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. So, um, I need content. Okay. And uh, you like to talk about the Long John Index. I do. Or that is to say, well, let's start this interview off properly. All right? Here we go. Okay. Okay. Sure. So, I'm talking with Colin McIntyre here on the telephone, and Colin has invented a very important metric uh, for knowing how to dress for the cold. Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, I believe the metric you are referring to is the Long John Index. That's right. Uh, it is a, it's it sort of kind of, it's, it's sprung from the idea of, of like, of there's the UV index and well, you know, that's good in the summer. We need something for the winter to know, you know, just how cold it is for if you're supposed to wear a Long Johns or not. So uh, I started doing this thing a couple of months ago, I believe. It, I think it's when it started mm-hmm. uh, called the Long John, in, called the Long John Index, which will tell you, you know, if how, depending on the temperature, if you should be wearing long johns or not. And this originally started as a post on the Edmontonian.com. It originally originally started actually just on Twitter. Actually, just uh, I was actually, you know, I would just kind of joke, jokingly, you know, check the weather in the morning and, oh, okay, it's minus 10, so that's a long john index of 3, or it's, you know, minus, it's minus 25, so that's a 4. And actually what happened was, was a couple of people actually started uh, replying to me on Twitter saying, well, okay, how does this index work? Like, what are the rules? And, and I just kind of answered, well, I don't really know. So I actually had to sit down and actually kind of take, you know, just those, those random little bits of, of ideas I had in my brain and put them down uh, and then submitted it to uh, the Edmontonian. And yeah, I got posted up there. And a lot of people sort of liked it. And uh, yeah, so it sort of sprung from that. So, so tell us a little bit about how the index works. Like, w- what does a one indicate as opposed to a two or a three? Uh, well, the long tongue index it, it starts at it starts at the freezing point. So anything above zero, so plus one, plus two, plus three, yeah. uh, it's, that's that's considered NA. That's considered not applicable. Uh, and it, in the, it's a scale of one to five, uh, starting at at zero. So did you, do you want to just go through the, the, the through the, the the five steps, the five yeah. the five levels? Yeah, okay. let's do that. Uh, okay, well, a level one is is a temperature of of zero to minus I'll uh, say mo- minus nine. Okay. With with little or no wind chill, so about so about you know it's it's not too cold. So unless you're going to be outside all day, you probably shouldn't need long johns because um, if if you're even if you are outside, you know, and if you're moving around, you know, you should generate enough body heat that you shouldn't need long shouldn't need long johns. Sure. 
that's that's. However, if, if you're from BC or the West Coast, where the winters aren't so tough as they are in Edmonton, uh, that's probably that's probably the highest index. So, okay. Uh, so if you need long johns at that, that point, you should. Uh, you should, you know, hang your head in shame, or you should move back to Vancouver. Exactly. Okay. Uh, a, t- a two is still that zero to minus nine, but if there's a wind chill that kind of pushes it up to, uh, you know, a, a lower temperature. So if it's minus eight, but with the wind chill, it's minus, you know, thirty-five in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, that would be a two. So if you're going to be outside for maybe an hour or more, uh, then you should probably be wearing long johns. Okay. Uh, a three is when it starts. And this is when it starts to get cold. So a three is anywhere between a minus ten and a minus uh, nineteen. Okay. So that's when it's starting to get. That's you know that's starting to get biting cold, right? That's starting to what. So when you're if you're going to be outside for more than an hour, yeah, you probably want those long johns. You want those long johns because you're going to start to feel it. You know it's and it's and it, it and that's always a temperature too that you know I'm the, you know I know I grow grow you know growing up in the prairies. You didn't think you needed long johns. It's like ah, it's only minus twelve. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. But then you're outside for, a, for you know for over an hour. You're 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 getting that tingly feeling, that nice little tingly burning feeling. <laughs> yeah, like your skin is dying. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, now long uh, the index of four is minus twenty to minus thirty, and that's that's what we call uh, that's that's crazy high. Yeah. So that's so that you know that's cold. That's you know that's that's good, good old fashioned Edmonton cold right there. I can attest to that absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, so that's so if you're gonna be outside for more than ten minutes, you best be got your long johns on. <laughs> that's because it's it's cold. And then so then and so the last uh, last stage, the last index of five or last level of five, that's for anything minus thirty and colder. Yeah. In which case, don't don't even go outside. Put your long johns on, but stay inside and just. <laughs> Go go grab your comic books and a hot chocolate or a tea and just no you're you're not going outside don't look outside yeah don't leave the house yes and and protect your pets and children yes put them get put long johns on your cat <laughs> that but, is probably the point at which you need to be setting other things on fire yes pretty much okay yeah all right so how has the response been you said you've got a few people who've replied and asked you what it's all about. Uh, what are what are people saying online now that you've you've sort of established the index? Uh, it's actually well, I actually I started a blog about uh, over the holidays uh, called longindex.ca, and it was interesting because I, I started the blog, and I started a Twitter account for the Longjong Index, and I started so I thought you know I'll start follow some Edmonton media people follow you know follow some weather people, and it was funny because right away. Uh, all of a sudden, those people were following back, like following the CBC Weather Newsroom from I don't know where. I think it's in Calgary. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're following the Long John Index. <laughs> you know, Josh Clausen following the Long John Index. I'm like, what? Really? Is, so, is he talking about it in his broadcasts at all? Do you know? Well, see here. Uh, when when I first started do when I first started doing it, and I think when I put the post out, I woke up the next morning because the post came out on a Friday on the one of the, the Edmontonian Friday editions. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, on t- people on, on Twitter were telling me that someone used it in an iNews 880 weather report. Really? On a Saturday morning. And then I know, and I did see on Twitter that people were suggesting to uh, to Josh Lawson, hey, you know, if there's something, of, you should use the Long John Index. And I know he actually mentioned something uh, this week, you know, uh, this 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 week about like oh geez it's gonna be cold next week the long jog index people will be you know 
going 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 crazy, going nuts. So that's awesome. So yeah, so it's 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 been it's been an interesting sort of uh, experiment. It's, it's interesting to see just you know how how people are using it or if they're having fun with it. There was a gentleman uh, who I believe works for radio in Winnipeg. He was actually doing a long dog index in Winnipeg for a while. He he actually twittered me and said, "Hey, how does this work?" So I sent him the <laughs> the link to the Edmontonian post. And he's like, "I'm going to do the index in Winnipeg." That is so cool. So yeah. So um, this is of course completely based in science. Absolutely. This yeah. is this is years of uh, of extensive uh, research and development, and me just making stuff up. And <laughs> so so there there is some science to it. Like it's like it's 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 actually I'm, I'm basing it on actual weather data. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I mean, there's definite science there, and uh, and I yeah. think you could even you could even probably call yourself a bit of a scientist at this point. Can I? Could I really? My my parents my parents would be so proud. Well, tell your mom, but probably don't go putting on a resume or anything like oh, okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with us, Colin, and, and best of luck indexing other things in the future. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. We screwed up the time when we were supposed to meet with the mayor. That's right. And, I screwed uh, up the time. And so we showed up for a one thirty interview that was supposed to take place at 1. So we have a very truncated interview with Mayor Mandel, uh, which is entirely our own doing. It is. It is. So uh, we, will, we will try to have him again in the future, though, if possible, to make up for our tremendous lack of uh, organizational skills. And he is the mayor, after all. And, and it's good to have mayoral types on the show. Indeed. It, uh, Possibly not, more than once. Not only is it interesting, but it legitimizes what we're doing. Vaguely. Vaguely legitimizes what we're doing. That's right. So first of all, uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, social media and how it's being used by your counselors. Because uh, I know that at, at some council meetings, there are some counselors <laughs> who are really using it a lot and some who aren't using it during the meetings. And just wondering what your thoughts were on that. It's interesting. I've been asked that question quite a bit um, my personal belief is we should be paying attention to meetings and uh, uh, social media should be used outside of the media just like everything else. It's uh, the time in the meeting is to pay attention rather than to uh, um, to be twittering out, tweeting out, I should say, tweeting out uh, various data. But at the same time, counselors have the right to do what they do. This is a, a role of 13 independent people who are all elected independently and if they so desire to do that, um, I'm not going to say no to them. I think it's their right to do it. I think what happens, though, is they're uh, not not probably paying enough attention to what's going on in the meeting. Sure, fair enough. And uh, you yourself are now on Twitter, and, and since the election have been. Do a little bit of Twittering, try to keep control of it. Uh, you, <laughs> know, um, you know, I think social media is a really valuable um, device in communicating with a, a a group of, uh, I think, very proactive uh, younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot of people who are not of the younger generation who are proactive that we need to communicate with through traditional ways. Sure, absolutely. So, Scott, you've got a list of questions. You told me to prepare a list of questions, and oh. you did not prepare a list I've got, of questions. They're all up here, man. They're all okay. up here. <laughs> oh, there's um, an argument here. The podcast <laughs> is starting to fall apart. <laughs> Again, as always. In front of the mayor this time, no less. This is terrible. Um one question that, that I thought uh, about was that sometimes uh, it seems like it's hard to, uh, 
I guess, kind of sell the vision you have for the city on mass. And so, so the question I had was, is it sometimes hard to reconcile what, what your vision of Edmonton is from, from the top with what I suppose the general constituency has as a vision of Edmonton from down on the, on the street level? You know, um, vision is sometimes um, something that's um, uh, sometimes abstract. And um, I think you need to be able to develop it steps at a time. So our vision is to have a more sustainable city. How do you do that? That's creating a better transit system, better light rail transit system. Our vision is to um, make this city more amenable to the younger generation and to create an atmosphere for them to be successful and want to see Edmonton as a is a, is a place of their future, and that's done through next gen or through creating an art gallery or creating a, a greater art scene or, or meeting with the younger generation. Uh, I think e- every the, the, the vision is maybe brought up when you look at it at a very high level, but you have to try to bring it down to a level where um, it makes sense to people on a day-to-day basis, and so that's what we try to do. So, for example, again, with seniors, we, we really believe in... in, in um, creating a very good atmosphere for them. And so our goal is to create 1,000 units a year in housing while you're going to create them 100 or 120 units at a time. So I think it's boiling it down to a smaller um, 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 idea and then allow that idea to, to fester a little bit, and then it gradually grows. You mentioned uh, LRT as, as one of the ways, one of the visions for the future of the city. How does the loss of the expo bid impact Edmonton's ability to really build that system? Well, you know, the, the expo bid didn't have, it had about a couple hundred million dollars in for the, ex, for the, for the LRT, but we had hoped, just like Toronto or, um, and, and or Vancouver got a substantial amount of money for the federal government because it was a big event that we would have qualified for that. Now we don't qualify for it or unless the federal government puts in a program. So it will, it will inhibit what we can do. It won't prohibit it. Um, we'll, we'll build the north line up to Nate uh, and be done by 2013, open in 14, and then I'm hoping that... Uh, Council will approve the line down to Mill Woods to be done and uh, and opened by 2000 and open in 2014, finished in 2014. It takes six months to do it. Okay. So um, I, the West End now becomes a bit up for grabs because we haven't got the money. But people can't forget that in the West End we put a really great bus rapid transit system that's going to run from Lewis Estates to West Edmonton Mall to South Campus and taking the South Campus LRT to downtown. So we've we've taken care of that in, in I think, a very effective way. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, I think, a, a system we really have to promote so people see it as an, as an opportunity for um, a bus rapid transit or like an LRT system. So now that Expo's off the table, are, are the wounds starting to heal a little bit? Or are you prepared to begin working with the federal government again? Or is that's, that that's, even a fair question to ask? I'm not sure it's a fair question to ask. I mean, I, we, we have to work with the federal government because they have a lot of money and... Um, uh, the wounds of it wasn't you know the saying of no that was frustrating was the way they did it mm-hmm. um i think that working for two years with somebody uh and and coming in and throwing them a letter saying well we're not going to do this now because it's too much money and not having the courtesy to sit down and explain why other than it's too much money and to um in, in my belief because uh, the numbers we received were substantially different blame it on security when the numbers we received from them security were about 5% of what they said they were, and, and just to give us a fair shot and show respect for the city, uh, and then and then for the prime minister to come out and say, well, nobody supported it when we had polling that said it didn't. I thought it was just not a very classy way to do it, but, uh, um, you know, that this, those words won't help me either in dealing with the federal government, but 
you know, um, we'll get what we get. Um, we don't get anything. I don't think we get, I'm sure we don't get more than other people, but we won't get, you know, I don't think we'll get penalized for it. Oh, that's good. That's a relief. Um, if what? we do, if we do, we'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. What is um, what would be the like the top three priorities for 2011, for the mm. next the next year or so? Well, I think that you know, priorities are something that you can't necessarily accomplish in a year. I think one of the problems of politicians are that we we tend to worry about one year at a time. I really think we need to look and put in place a vision for the long term, mm-hmm. and, and what that vision can be is important because it, it looks out 10, 15, 20 years. An example is the REACH group, uh, REACH report we did. We told them, I, you're not going to solve the problems of inner city crime or, or uh, um, the kind of challenges inner city folks face in one year or two years or three years. It's, it's a 25-year project. We've made mistakes for 25 years. How are we going to change in the next 25? And I think that's been something I strongly believe in is to make sure that we look at the long term I won't be here, I guarantee you, for that long a time. <laughs> but the fact is that we, we can't be short-term, short-term players. We have to be long-term players. And, uh, and that's why LRT, it's long-term. We build some of it this year, some of it next year, and so on and so forth. But the goal at the end of the day is to have an integrated system. Um, the goal is to have a much more eclectic, creative River Valley. The goal is to have a much more a creative and dynamic arts community. So all that doesn't happen in one year. And so I think that uh, one-year steps are what politicians tend to do, and I don't believe in that. Fair enough. You mentioned uh, the River Valley. I, I haven't heard a whole lot about what's taking place there recently or even if, like, the River Valley Alliance still exists. The River Valley Alliance does exist, and um, um, there's supposedly some money being ava- made available to them. We have a, a, a very broad vision, uh, an interesting vision, as part of the expo for the River Valley um, to do with Rossdale. And uh, in feb- February we'll be making a, a speech and talking about that, which we think is vitally important to develop um, the Rossdale area into something really special for Edmontonians and mm-hmm. for people of our region, and so we'll talk about that then. We have to wait till February. I know, it's a long way away, but it's, it's only 60 days, so. <laughs> when you put it that way, yeah. Um, go ahead, Scott. Um, if, this is almost like a wrap-up question, but it's not intended to be. It's just because I'm going through the questions that I think are the most interesting that I wrote down. If today was, if today was your last day as mayor of Edmonton, if tomorrow something happened, you couldn't be the mayor anymore, what do you think would be the one thing you'd be proudest of having accomplished thus far? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I, I think um, if I could pick one thing, it, it's trying to m- make people feel um, part of, of the city of Edmonton, all kinds of uh, cultural groups, um, all kinds of uh, religious groups, all kinds of uh, um, new immigrants to Edmonton, people that have been here for years, make this city feel like a home to everybody. I think that would be, I'm proud of stuff, because I think we've really tried to do that. Uh, we've been a success. I'd like to be no. We've <laughs> today we've had several problems in doing that. But I think that's vitally important to re- rethink of, of our city in a way that it's now much more multicultural, uh, dynamic city than it was five years ago, ten years ago. And it's, that's, that's something I'd be pretty proud of. I think the other one that I, not yet there yet, but hopefully would be, is that uh, that our First Nations people would would see Edmonton as a place of opportunity. We're not there yet by any means, and uh, that's some place where I think we haven't done near enough work. And um, hopefully over the next uh, three years, I can say that's one of the most important things we've accomplished, because that's an area where where all of us in Canada have really fallen down and and creating the kind of uh, 
country that was their country and once again make it their country. Yeah. Um, one final question, um, because I know that your time is short. And well, i got a few more minutes. I'm fine. He's a busy guy. He's got a few more minutes. I've got a few, go. guys, okay. few guys, lots of time. Then, uh, so we, we can do one of two things. We can ask a few more of these questions, or we can do our Fast 15 with the mayor of, of the city of Edmonton. Whatever you want to do. Either way, I'm, I've got a few minutes, so don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> This is part part of the show we do with every guest. Okay. So do you think? And you got your you got your iPad too. Got my iPad. Which is really important to have that if you're if you're doing an iPod to have an iPad. Exactly. I mean, would iPod be existent if they didn't have an iPad or? I don't know. Well, the iPod came first. I know. Yeah. I know the iPod came first, but the iPad became a cousin. Anyway, let's not worry about it. Well, we can. It's a trivial question. It was a trivial question. So the Fast Fifteen with Mayor Stephen Mandel. Here we go. Number one, your favorite food. Pizza. Your favorite color? Blue. Do you use a Macintosh, a PC, or a Linux machine? Neither. You don't use a computer at all? Very very rarely. Okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Tea. Your favorite holiday? Ooh, I like Christmas a lot. Yeah. Your favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite pastime? Riding my bike. Favorite music at this particular moment? Um, traditional music of the Frank Sinatra era. Oh, I was listening to some of that earlier today. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't have enough of that here. That's true. Uh, your favorite movie right now? Oh, gosh. Um, many, many movies. Oh, God. I, 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 can't, I can't give you I, so many movies. Uh, my favorite historical movie that I loved when I was a little guy was uh, Calamity Jane with Doris Day when I was about 9 or 10. Um, <laughs> I loved Doris Day. Then I went to the movie maybe 25 times. But, you know, there's many movies today that uh, I've seen that are really great. So. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this one, but your favorite video game? I don't play video games. don't play video games. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? The gift of health. Uh, do you prefer Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that hurts, Mr. Mayor. Oh, I, I was never a Star Trek fan. No? No, I don't know why. I just never, I never really got into it. But I like Star Wars, though. You should, you should get in a battle with Councillor Iveson. I happen to know he's quite a Star Trek fan. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy, and just because we differ on that issue is not a big deal. Sure, yeah. <laughs> What's the strangest thing you've witnessed in council chambers? Council getting along. <laughs> 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 Actually, they get along all the time very well. That's, it's more of a, a continuation. We get along quite well. Right. That's the strangest thing. Not that we get along once. You okay, quite well. you continue to. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. And your final question, what will you miss the least about 2010? God, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, I could never remember to write the 10 of 2010. That'll make it really good. I don't have to write that again. I think 11 will be easier when I'm writing a check. <laughs> <laughs> right on? No, I don't think. It was a great year. It was a great year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, I like where the city's going. That's why I've chosen to stay here. Good. Well, we're glad you do. Well, thank you very much for speaking with us, Mr. Mayor. It's a pleasure. It was great to have you on the show. Yeah. And, and this kind of uh, um, way of doing things is great. I really appreciate you guys coming in and spending a few minutes with us. We appreciate it. So that was, uh, that was, that's kind of it. Yeah. This was the Pet Peeve Show, a, an abridged version because, because the chips fell where they did. But we will, uh, we will have some interesting people on next episode. And that isn't to say episodes. that we we didn't have interesting people <laughs> no. on this episode. Awkward. Dig, dig up, stupid. Yeah, dig up. <laughs> dig up. Definitely. Uh, Nita, thanks for being on the show again. You're welcome. Rachel, thank you for joining us for the first time. And not for the last time, I would presume. Oh, it was fun. Was it? Mm-hmm. You sure I didn't pet peeve you to death? No. Okay. Not. We love you both 
very much. Aww. Dear listeners. Hey. <laughs> You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 40. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Um, exceedingly attractive in uh, the manular region. In the <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it called the manular region before. Um, it's science. That's a scientific term. Indeed. The manular region. The manular region is, of course, uh, brought up often in the science of manology. Yes, of course, of course. Mas- sorry, masculology. Or, or uh, male-chemy, as they call it. Yes. Uh, or as it was once called. Um, they don't call it that anymore because it's dumb. <laughs> Many male-ometers. Malimit? I have no idea what's Malmaticians? Ma- Malmaticians. <laughs> Many uh, malematicians. Many malematicians. <laughs> do uh do the studies of uh of the manual regions. Does that mean uh someone looks at your pee pee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pretty sure there are a lot of women in that field. I think there probably are. I think there would have to be. Yeah. Almost. <laughs>